Amen. Thank you. What a great tribute to some moms. Deeply loved. And uh, what a job to be a mom. Um, I've noticed as a dad, sometimes my kids will call me. But usually when they call me, it's, how come mom's not answering her phone? Or, where is mom? I need to talk to mom. Because it seems like when they have a need, that's where they run, is to mom. Now, I'm not the brightest guy in the world, but it must be because mom is able to uh, help them meet their needs, love them. And I'm, I'm grateful for my mom. I'm, I'm grateful for Cindy. I'm the only one of my crowd here today is uh, had to take Lydia to college. She leaves uh, in the morning for China, and they're leaving at 1 o'clock. She was planning on being here, and she had to, before they left, swing Daniel by to get ready for cats. And so uh, mom's job never ends. And I know... Uh, Miss Ruth talking to her the other day about her daughter. I, I'm sure until you're on the other side, you thinking about your kids. And even then, I bet you're thinking about your kids. And this morning, I wanted to share with you about a mom in the Scriptures. You probably don't know her name. It's not a name most of us are familiar with. But it's the mom of Moses. Now think about Moses. Here he is. One who's specially chosen by God to deliver the people from slavery. A guy that went up on the holy mountain, spent time with God. God who was so holy he couldn't look up on his face, but he caught sight of the back of God's head. And he came down the mountain and his face shone with the glory of God. And he had the Ten Commandments. And, and God led him and walked with him as he led two million crazy Hebrews through that wilderness. And yet there was an influence that's not spoken of very much in his life, his mom. Her name was Jochebed. And we're going to uh, look at her this morning as we look in the Scriptures. But I want to start for our Scripture reading. I want to look in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 13. As our Scripture reading, I'll ask you to stand in God's honor as I read aloud. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for the comfort You provide. Thank You for the example mentioned here of a mother and her comfort to the little ones, Lord, and to the big little ones. As they get older, we still need mom. We thank You for that example, and thank You for the example we'll look at this morning. Holy Spirit, we invite You to continue to work here. Thank You for what's been done so far as You have worked. Lord, I pray You don't stop. Just speak to our hearts, Lord. We need to continue to hear from You. In Your name we pray. Amen. Oh, I had something cute to share. I meant to share before I had the scripture reading. I'll, I'll share now. Uh, Tony Campalo is a guy that uh, teaches at a college. He travels around and he speaks. And uh, His wife's named Peggy. And Peggy spent her time uh, at, the, at the time this was written taking care of their kids who were small at the time. And their little kids were named Bart and Lisa. And all I could think of was, that's a Simpsons. No wonder she had such a hard time. 
But, uh, you know, he would go and he would speak in these important places to these people who had a lot of pull and had prominent titles. and It intimidated her. And, you know, it, she just was kind of, just felt kind of bad to say, well, you know, I, I just stayed home with the kids. And Tony said, well, you know, that's the most important job in the world, honey. And she said, you're right. So she, she wrote a job description of her job. And they were at this gathering and, a uh, lady said, well, what do you do? And so she read her job description. Um, she said, I am nurturing two homo sapiens into the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might become instruments for the transformation of the social order into the kind of eschatological utopia God envisioned from the beginning of time. And the other woman said, oh my, I'm just a lawyer. (laughs) What a job. Have you ever heard a message on Jochebed? I don't know, maybe you have. She is a prominent lady, and yet there's not a lot often said about her. And what a wonderful mom to look at this morning. You guys know the story of Moses, but turn with me. We're going to be looking at Exodus this morning. and In Exodus chapter 1, starting at verse 6, we, we find out, it says, Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died, but the Israelites were fruitful and multiplied greatly and became exceedingly numerous so that the land was filled with them. God raised Joseph up, saved his people. Uh, he was a, a great leader. God worked through him. The Israelites grew in number in that land. And then we come to verse 8. It says, Then a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. And it goes on and we read. So what they do is they put them into hard labor. They make them slaves. And this was the world Moses was born into. It was a very difficult world where the hours were spent in hard labor and the nights with exhaustion. Trying to hold a family together. Trying to continue to remember that God still loved them in this dark time. Matter of fact, I want to show you how dark that the time was. You drop down to verse 15 of chapter 1. It says, The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shifra and Pua, When you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it's a boy, kill him. If it's a girl, let her live. (laughs) I love it, though. It says, The midwives feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt told them to do. They let the boys live. King of Egypt summoned the midwives and said, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? And they answered, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They're vigorous and give birth before we can get there, before the midwives arrive. So this was the kind of of land that Moses was born into. Imagine the fear with me for a moment. Oh, by the way, his daddy was named Amram. Don't really think about him either. He's not mentioned very frequently either. But Moses' parents were a big part of his life. And, and can you imagine when Jochebed first discovered that there was a baby growing in her womb? I can imagine Amram coming from that hard day of labor, working on those pyramids or whatever terrible task he had. 
and laying beside his wife and she trying to be a good wife comfort him honey I've got to tell you some news I can just imagine her placing her head upon her chest we're going to have a baby and, and then there's a moment of joy and then there's a moment of fear oh God thank you for this baby but not a boy Oh God, there's, you know about this edict that, that every little boy that's born is to be drowned in the Nile River. And, and God, I just can't stand that. I can't deal with that thought that this baby you've given, I would watch drown or die. God, that's too much to bear. And I can imagine their pain. I can imagine their prayers. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine them saying, Oh God, not a boy, not a boy, not a boy, not a boy. <laughs> and then we... Uh, Come to chapter 2, and it says, Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. What do we learn? Well, it says, When she saw him, he was a fine child. Other translation says, A beautiful child. A special child. What distinctly does that mean? Um, I don't know the exact details. Josephus, the ancient historian, tells us, uh, not this is documented in Scripture, that an angel visited Jochebed and Amram to comfort, to tell them about this special child. Regardless, when you looked upon this baby, there was something different about him. He was no ordinary kid. He was touched by the hand of God. There was something that drew you to this child to this baby, to this special one that was born. And can you imagine the task it says that she hid him for two months? Can you imagine trying to hide a baby for two months? They're loud. Matter of fact, I used to joke and say, you know, when a baby's first born, he's only born with three things on his mind. To sleep, to weep, and to excrete. That's about it. And man, can they weep. Man, can they cry. Somehow, she hid him for too much, but it became too too much. In her mind, under desperate prayers, she came up with a plan. Now, I think it's interesting here as we read this, it doesn't mention Amram, doesn't mention the dad. As so often, God lays on the heart of the mom to take care of things, to be that nurturing influence, and to be at work. And it says, verse 3, which she could hide him no more. She got a papyrus basket for him, and coated it with tar and pitch, and placed the child in it, and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. I don't think that this was just something that happened on a whim. Matter of fact, I can imagine that Jochebed prayed this through, came up with this plan of desperation under God's leading as she carefully worked on that basket, as she carefully made sure it was waterproof. I can imagine her rehearsing with her daughter, Miriam. Uh, scholars seem to think that time Miriam would be about 15. Aaron, uh, Moses' older brother, was about 3. And, and that she actually rehearsed with Miriam. Okay, you, you stand over there and, and, and you watch. You, you watch and, and make sure when we 
when we place him in the water that, that he floats and everything's okay and, 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 and just make sure, well, mom, what happens if it's not okay? What do I do then? Well, we won't talk about that. God will, God will take care of it. He'll, he'll see it through, but you just be there. Just be ready at the moment. And then as the scripture tells us, the Egyptian princess, the daughter of Pharaoh, enters into the water. I don't think that's by accident. I think that Jochebed had seen that. This was part of the plan and this was the hope. She knew what time she normally came to the river, what place. This plan was set there. And there was Miriam and all this. Hopefully this would come together. And as we read, as this unfolds, what a, what a, what excitement. Look at this, guys. Verse 5, it says, And Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds, sent it her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. This beautiful baby, this baby that was no ordinary baby, this baby marked by God. He was crying. Well, that's pretty normal. And she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister... Miriam, the one in place, the one who went through the rehearsals, the one who was ready. Her sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Do you think she had a specific mother in mind? A specific Hebrew mother? You bet. Can I go get a mom to nurse her for you? And look at this. This is great, guys. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. Not only does little Moses get to go back into his mother's arms to be nursed, they're getting paid for it. God provides. God stepped in. This plan was ordained of God, and, 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 and it worked, and there must have been a joy, and there must have been a celebration. And we don't know for sure how long that she nursed this baby. There are different scholars that uh, talk about it. One said maybe uh, she nursed him till he was seven. Whoa. It's a long time to nurse a baby. There are complications. But you know what? There's a thought to that. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's true. Now, think about this. The first five books of the Bible were written under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, penned by Moses. Remember the language? It was written in Hebrew. Not in Egyptian hieroglyphics, but in Hebrew. Hebrew that certainly would not have been taught by the Egyptians because they looked upon the Hebrew people as slaves. They looked upon the Hebrew people as property. They would not have respected their language. They would not have respected their customs. They would not have respected their values. They certainly wouldn't have ever taught one who they thought could possibly be a Pharaoh in training the Hebrew language. So where did he learn the language? Well, I think he learned it from his mom. I think he learned it listening to his mother. Has she sought to comfort him? Has she sought to love him? Has she sought to, to teach him about why he's there? Matter of fact, uh, I wonder what it must have been like as Miriam sang him to sleep. As you know, we tell stories. 
This is what I think, guys. I think she told him. Moses, you are a special child. God has a special plan for you. I believe that God has called you to be the deliverer of your people. God has chosen you for a special task, buddy. Don't ever forget it. We love you. God loves you. Don't forget it. And so the years pass. And matter of fact, turn with me. Let's look over in Acts chapter 7. Can't imagine. Time always goes too quick for a preacher. Acts chapter 7, beginning at verse 21. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him. Uh, well, let me I start. It says, at that time Moses was born and he was no ordinary child. <laughs> for three months he was cared for in his father's house. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his fellow Israelites. So from, well, we'll say seven. I have no evidence for that. Seven to 40, whatever that young age was, till 40. His time was spent among the Egyptians, being taught by their greatest teachers, being groomed for a place of leadership and power. But he didn't forget who he was. I don't think he forgot that time with his mother. I don't think he forgot the words that penetrated his heart and penetrated his soul. Son, you are a Hebrew. Son, you are God's child. Son, God will raise you up to be a deliverer. Son, you are God's man. And I think those words, regardless of all the teaching, you may be the next Pharaoh, Moses. You are going to be a powerful leader in Egypt. But he was haunted continually, I believe, by the words, you are going to deliver the Hebrew people. Now, let's let's go on, because I think this comes out in the passage here. Verse 23. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his fellow Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptians. By the, killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. Isn't that interesting? Here's Moses. He's been trained in the Egyptian palace. He's been groomed in the ways of the Egyptians. And yet, for some reason, he thought that the Hebrew people understood he was on their side. He was one of them. He was a Hebrew. But Jochebed didn't tell them. Didn't tell the other people. She told Moses. Moses thought everybody knew. Moses thought that mama's everybody's mama. Mama got the word out. But no. He thought they understood. And they didn't. He thought the lessons were clear. But to them... They weren't. This message had been promoted to the baby, but not to the masses. So what do you have to learn? He had to learn to do God's way, God's will, in God's time. 
He was sent to the backside of the desert for 40 years and trained, and he came back as those words of his mom, Moses, you are God's chosen one to deliver the Hebrew people, came to reality at 80 years of age. Those words that burned in him for so many years came to fruition. The impact of a mom. Words of mom burn in all of our hearts. Moms believe in their kids. You can rise above the circumstances. You can succeed. We need to give moms the pom-poms because they want to cheer on their kids. They, They want to see them as much as anybody else. Be successful and enjoy life and and to find life and to rise above the circumstances that surround them. And moms are selfless people. They give. That's the reason they run. That's the reason kids run to mom, right? And there's a kid. He uh, he's doing math, and teacher said, "Okay, there's you and your parents, and uh, there's in total five kids, so that's seven of you." Everybody, you cut the pie, mom bakes a pie, you cut the pie, and everybody gets a piece. So what fraction would that be? And the little boy said, one-sixth. And the teacher said, no, 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 no. There's seven of you, remember? You don't know math. And the little boy says, you don't know my mama. Mama wouldn't even take a piece of pie. So it'd be one six. That's mama's heart. Now, uh, mom's a model. I want to close with these. This is a list of uh, mom's modeling techniques. My mother taught me to appreciate a job well done. Boy, if you're going to kill it, boys, if you're going to kill each other, do it outside. I just finished cleaning. (laughs) My mother taught me religion. You better pray that that'll come out of this carpet. My mother taught me about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. My mother taught me logic. Because I said so, that's why. My mother taught me more logic. If you fall out of that swing and break your neck, you're not going to the store with me. My mother taught me foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. My mother taught me irony. Keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about. My mother taught me about the science of osmosis. Shut your mouth and eat your supper. My mother taught me about contortionism. Will you look at that dirt on the back of your neck? My mother taught me about stamina. You'll sit there until all that spinach is gone. My mother taught me about weather. This room of yours looks like a tornado went through it. My mother taught me about hypocrisy. If I told you once, I told you a million times. Don't exaggerate. My mother taught me the circle of life. I brought you into this world and I can take you out. My mother taught me about behavior modification. Stop acting like your father. Oops, how'd that get in there? (laughs) My mother taught me about envy. There are millions of less fortunate children in this world who don't have a wonderful parents like you do. My mother taught me about anticipation. Just wait until we get home. My mother taught me about receiving. You're going to get it when you get home. My mother taught me about medical science. If you don't stop crossing your eyes, they're going to get stuck that way. My mother taught me ESP. Put your sweater on. Don't think I know when you're cold. Don't you think I don't know when you're cold? My mother taught me humor. 
when that lawnmower cuts off your toes, don't come running to me. My mother taught me how to become an adult. If you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up. My mother taught me genetics. You're just like your father. My mother taught me about my roots. Shut that door behind you. You were not born in a barn. My mother taught me wisdom. When you get to be my age, you'll understand. And my favorite one. My father, I mean my father. My mother taught me about justice. One day you'll have kids and I hope they turn out just like you. I believe that all of Moses' life, although there's not mention of it, he was grateful for his mother. That godly influence, that godly message that I believe played over and over again in his mind. He knew Jacobet loved him unconditionally. That's mom's. Um, maybe your mom uh, has already gone to heaven, gone to glory. And you miss her. Pray and thank God for her. Remember her. Maybe your mom uh, is still around. Don't take her for granted. Let her know that you love her. Be willing to share that wonderful news. And I think the message of a godly mother is I want my kids to love Jesus with a whole heart. I want my kids to follow Him. Most days, I won't say every day because that is exaggeration. My wife and I pray together. And always, we don't always pray for everything for sure, but always on our hearts, it's God, we want our kids to love you with a full heart. We want our gods not to just be church people. We want them to love Jesus with a deep heart. I think that's what your mom would want. Do you know Him? Do you love Him? Uh, we have this time we call invitation, we call response, and uh, quite honestly, the altar is open. God spoke in your heart, would love for you to come and, and, and to pray. Um, I'll be at the front if you would like to talk with me, if you'd like to pray, someone to pray with you. Um, we're here because of God. And we want to honor Him this morning. And we want His Spirit to work. And so if He's spoken to you, I'll ask you to come to pray. And we're going to stand, we're going to sing. God lead you, will you come? Let's pray. Lord, uh, we're nothing without You. The Bible declares that. We're grateful for the influence of a godly mom. But there would not be a godly mom without God. We worship you, O oh God, for the blessings you provided us. And we don't want to miss you, Lord. We don't want to walk out of this place and miss the one who created loving, giving, godly moms. Father, get all of our hearts. Help us to quit playing church and to be the church. Help us to quit acting like somebody and let you make us somebody. God, have your way this morning. We need you. We invite you, not us, you. Father, work in your power. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.